Well, I'm going to ask Pastor Debbie to help me and you to help me out of respect for God's Word. I'm going to ask if you will stand. And we are going to turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read verses 21 to 35. You will follow along with Pastor Debbie. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times, verse 22. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with, with servants who had borrowed money from him, verse 24. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Verse 26. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded, verse 30. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened, verse 32. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, you, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you, verse 34. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Let's pray. I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, Pastor Debbie. Well, I am thrilled to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. We are in the middle of a series. The series is on conflict. Last week, we looked at the issue of conflict in our lives. And we basically made the point that we have to first be reconciled with God and then reconcile with ourselves. And when those happen, then we'll have the ability to be reconciled or forgive other people. That's the only way it works. If we try any other way, it's the only solution that will enable us as it relates to conflict. Now, I would say to each and every one of us that it is inevitable if you live long enough that you will have conflict. Can somebody say amen to that? You cannot go through life without conflict. We have conflict on a variety of levels. It's not about the conflict. It's about how you and I engage the conflict and what the scriptures tell us how we should engage that. And we know that we have conflict on multiple levels. We have conflict as it relates on the macro and social, on the societal level. We've got the more intense conflicts of interpersonal one-on-one -on -one in our families and, and, and in our workplaces and with our neighbors, etc. And I would just say to you today that this teaching is so critical that we're seeing in Matthew 18 because it's going to help you and I to understand as people who believe in this, 
how we respond. So my question to you today is, how many of you believe that this is truth? Let me ask that again. How many believe that this is truth? You hear me say often that we have to have a biblical worldview. What I mean by that is this. We all have a worldview. You may not have physical glasses on your, on your eyes, but the reality is you view the world in some form or some fashion what we call a worldview. What I've been trying to get us to understand is that we must, we must understand and look through the world in which we live through the lenses of scriptural truth because without that, we are in deep trouble. Can somebody say amen? Now, the problem is, most recently, catch this, a, a recent survey to people who call themselves Christian, asking them a series of questions to determine whether or not, in general, do Christians that go to church today and claim Christianity, do they actually have lenses to look through the world? And to my dismay, and to many of our dismay, it, would be, it was shocking to realize that only three to 7% of Christians today in America have a biblical worldview. That's how you make decisions on situations and issues around us, three to 7%. With that being said, it gets even more scary that pastors only have about, a, only about 38% of pastors in America today truly have a biblical worldview. That is a startling statement in and of itself. It's an empirical study. It is not something that I am trying to create an opinion about. It's the reality of the situation in which we find ourselves. Now, let me just be a, a pastor here for a moment before I jump into the message. As a shepherd, I would say to you is that we are seeing a shift in the culture in which we live that's becoming more dramatic and the line is being drawn more clearly and succinctly than ever before in the history of our country. And so where we saw and believed for a while that there was kind of this biblical Christian culture that kind of uh, was uh, throughout our country, even with all of our issues and our struggles, what we saw over the last 20 plus years, the declining of that biblical worldview. But yet we tolerated one another, kind of like you are those Bible-believing people, and then, then there's the rest of us. But I would say to you that we are now quickly entering to a moment in which Jesus warned us, in which you've heard me, if you come to this church regularly, to make the declaration that that toleration is becoming less and less likely in today's world. In other words, Jesus said that in the last days they will mock you. They will persecute you, and yes, they will even hate you for standing on my truth. I say this to you, me as your pastor, I say this to you now because you must make a decision. You cannot make your decisions on what you believe on the fly. Because if you do that, you will be tempted to always drink the Kool-Aid of the culture in which you find yourself. And it is not in it does not basically um, uh, align with God's word. And so I just make a declaration to us today. If you are a guest here, everybody is welcome here. I mean that with everything that I have. And I don't have to agree with everything that you do and say, but you are welcome here. Does that make sense to anybody? But with that being said, and with all uh, understanding, is that I will never, ever, ever, if I'm the last one standing in this room, 
ever turn away, even if it's not convenient, even if it makes you a little uncomfortable, even if you no longer are the majority in the culture in which you find yourself on. At the end of the day, I will stand before my Father knowing that I have been faithful to Him and Him alone. Can anybody else say amen to that? With that being said, I think this, the, if I'm a little bit honest, I would say to you that in this moment we live in, the supersonic speed where we see the deconstruction of truth and we see the a great apostate where people are walking away from the faith, I would say to you that I knew that was all coming. I saw that in scripture, but I never, I was completely shocked from the people that I have done life with. That's the shocker for me. I never expected it from my brothers and sisters from around the world that are now beginning to say, I no longer concur with that which the scripture declares. That's pretty hard for me because I care deeply. If you're my friend, I care deeply and I will still care deeply for you, but it still hurts if I may be a little honest. Does that make sense? We're gonna need each other like never before. And I believe what I'm teaching on today because conflict is only on the rise in our life that Jesus gives us the most radical of Christian discipleship, and Matthew 18 alludes to it, it's this whole concept of forgiveness. This whole concept of forgiveness. Let's again quote Jesus when he taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 12. Would you repeat after me? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. One more time, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When you find yourself in a conflict, how do you respond? Are you an avoider? Do you avoid conflict at all costs? My wife does. And so you will just run, run, run. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you're the personality that's gonna force the issue. You're gonna back them in the corner and somebody's gonna win and somebody's gonna lose. Maybe you're the give in kind of person where you will basically smooth things over and accommodate whatever they want as long as we have peace. Maybe you're the compromise kind of a person. You give a little, you take a little, negotiate a middle ground with the conflict. Or maybe we go for what I call a win-win attitude. Finding a solution that is biblical and reconciliation truly is what we need. What I know from my many years of working with folks like you around the world is that Christians quickly in their life will say, well, I've forgiven them. And they say it in such a way, have you ever experienced this, they say it in such a way that I know that there's a possibility that they have not truly forgiven. What they're doing is they just wanna move past it and, say, and do what they know intellectually is the answer they're supposed to give. But in their heart of hearts and down deep inside them, there is still this issue inside of them that they have never, never dealt with. I'm here to tell you the challenge for us today is that if you're not able to forgive, then you will never be able to reconcile with people around you. Jesus gives us this most radical of sermons, did he not, in Matthew 5 to 7, that is so far from uh, the world and so far in many churches. But this forgiveness that he talks about in his sermons is, is craziness. He's calling us to radical forgiveness. He's calling to us to unreasonable forgiveness, reckless forgiveness, endless forgiveness, and seemingly impossible forgiveness question is your faith old is your worship cold is God distant and aloof are you 
challenge to read God's word, maybe one of the core issues is this issue called forgiveness. I prayed for you today, and I prayed for you online. Here's what I want to say to you. There are those that can hear me. You've been hurt by a parent, disappointed deeply. They may not even be alive today, and they disappointed you. Today is the possibility to be able to forgive. Speaking to those who can hear my voice, you've been emotionally assaulted, sexually assaulted, and as horrific as that is, today could be your day where forgiveness rules. I'm talking to the person today that you have a spouse or an ex-spouse that has truly brought incredible grief in your heart and your life. Today is your day in which forgiveness is possible. And lastly, there are those of you who a friend metaphorically stabbed you in the back, said some horrific things about you. Today is your day for forgiveness. Are you critical with, do you have a critical spirit? Do you find yourself being cynical? Do you have a hard time trusting people? Do you kind of, look, don't, don't give people the benefit of the doubt? There may be an issue of forgiveness there. When we look at Matthew chapter 18 here, the key verse is verse 35. It says, this is what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. He says earlier in the passage, he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to this. What's he saying? He's saying, you all, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are aliens and strangers, Hebrews chapter 13. You live differently than everybody else. I'm calling you to something that nobody else can do and reality is you cannot do it either. It will only happen in relationship with me. And, he, and, and yet he explains this kingdom principle of a king who wants to make his accounts right and finds out a man owes him millions. And as he's brought before the king, he's gonna put him in prison, sell everything until his debt is paid off. And the reality is we know that he can never pay off his debt. How many of you kind of feel like that before God before? I'll never make it right with you, God. I've done too much, been to too many places said things, did things that I could never clean myself from. Anybody ever felt that way? It's never gonna be possible. So he begs the king for forgiveness and mercy and he grants it to him. Yeah, he leaves the presence of the king and he does what many Christians do today. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm forgiven. And immediately hits out into the road of life. Finds somebody who owes him something or has done something and demands a full payment. He forgot from which he had just been forgiven or never truly experienced it. We need to understand today that the kingdom people will have the capacity and the ability to do exactly what Christ told us to do is to forgive. Conflict is inevitable, but I wanna share with you three simple thoughts this, this morning that I believe will help us, every single one of us. And if we're truly honest, all of us at one form one fashion, one moment in time, have struggled with this thing called forgiveness. Every single one of us, let's be honest. Again, it's not about the conflict. It's not about the struggle of forgiveness. It's about what we're going to do with it. 
Let me give you my first point is this. Forgiveness gives us healing. Somebody say healing. One more time, healing. What we see here from the man who owned millions to the king, he never really experienced healing. He never experienced the true fullness of what it means to be forgiven completely. He was more about what it meant to be let off the hook. It's what he was more about. I don't owe the money. It never reached his heart. It was only a transaction. It wasn't transformational. It was a transaction. And what happens for many Christians is exactly that. You are a rule follower. You do exactly what everybody tells you to do. And as a result, you look fine and good. But at the end of the day, it's only been transactional. It's not been transformational. And therefore, when we are in our next moment, we are the most miserable of all people because we say intellectually, I have been forgiven, but yet we don't exercise forgiveness out here. What we need to understand clearly today, people say to me often, they say, Pastor, as they have been hurt, I don't want to forgive or I won't forgive. Let me make it as clear as I can. I'm not a scientist. But H2O is water, and you can't have water without hydrogen and oxygen. I'm saying the same as it relates to this thing called forgiveness. Once you have divine forgiveness, you will have human forgiveness. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, this is how you will know that you are forgiven, is your capacity and your ability to forgive other people. That's the reality. That's where the proof is in the pudding. And here's what we need to understand is that we have a deliverance team at our church that prays for people for strongholds in their lives. Lots of doorways and entries into their lives with many struggles that at, at, at face value has nothing to do with forgiveness. But as you dig deeper into these spiritual strongholds that people cannot quit or they cannot let go of and they struggle daily with, when you begin to dig into their lives and love them and listen to them and pray with them and discern in them, what you find out is for the majority of the people, not all, but the majority, is this core element of unforgiveness that has then been a road path for so many other horrific things in their life. So this is a really, really important thing. This isn't just about resolving conflict. This is about you and I experiencing the healing that God has always intended for our lives. Are we willing to actually go there and experience this? Have you experienced incredible pain? I remember because in my own life, how should I describe myself? I'm kind of like the, the tip of the spear. You either like me or you don't. I've had to live with that most of my life. But like everybody, I want to be loved. I want everybody to like me. I like me. Why don't you like me? Anybody ever thought that? I just most of my life, that's just the reality of it. I remember when my wife and I were headed overseas and I recruited five families to join us. That was a pretty huge feat. The first couple goes over with us. And as they were training us, they said, the number one reason why missionaries come home is they can't get along with one another. I was like, that'll never happen to me. Famous last words, right? Here we find ourselves in year one. It was brutal, brutal conflict. 
And unlike America, we couldn't run away from each other. We were the only two couples that spoke English, and I like to speak enough that even people that I was struggling with, I'm talking. But boy, did it take me to bad places. I felt like I was in a win-lose situation. Every decision I made was second-guessed. Trust eroded. No respect was being wiped out. How we do life, completely different. And then all of a sudden, the worst of all sin starts to creep in by my attitude, by my words, by my action. Does this make sense to anybody? I was this close of saying, I love you, Jesus, but I'm not going to do this. I'll come back to America humiliated because it was such a public mission, right? Because it's all about me. I'm fearful that people would think about me. And at the end of the day, I cried out to God, I remember, on one night. I said, God, you got to bring me healing. I can't do this anymore. Anybody been there? Anybody had that kind of cry with God? Come on, has anybody had that? Like, God, I can't do this anymore. And it was in that moment this concept called forgiveness is the only answer. We flew some people over from America. The beautiful thing is that we both agreed that we wanted this. And forgiveness was granted on both sides authentically. Not put it under the rug. Not say that I've forgiven, but I haven't. Truly, authentically forgiven, right? Because I've been forgiven like the man uh, in the story. And at that moment, healing immense in my life. Not only did I learn something, I was healed in the process. Isn't it good to live life long enough with Jesus that he truly, what we hear in Romans chapter eight, that he truly can use failures and difficulties in our life to actually use them for our growth and make us actually more like Jesus? Does this relate to anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about, yeah? The key point is this, the starting point for healing is forgiveness. Second one, and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but isn't it amazing when the Holy Spirit speaks it afresh and anew to your situation? The second one is not only is there healing, but forgiveness brings us freedom. Somebody say freedom. freedom. One more time, freedom. freedom. And we know that this servant went out after he was forgiven and he then began to engage his friend who owed him just a few thousand dollars and in a matter of a short time would have been able to pay it back, but he was more concerned about the immediacy of the payback that he actually had him thrown in to jail. Let me do a side note from this about money since it's kind of here in the scripture. My wife and I, a long time ago, have decided when we lived in different countries and living in the States, when we, whenever we have this moment where people need help and they've asked for help, that we decided it's already very humiliating to go and ask for help in the first place. Number two is that we don't give loans to anybody. Every single time we have helped people, we say this is a gift. Why? Because we want everybody free. You're under no obligation with me. God tells me to give it. It's not mine in the first place. This is yours. I'm not going to hold it over your head. And if you can't do it, don't give it to him. It's freed us up of this whole debt-debtor situation. I don't think that there's a greater illustration of this freedom than in the Old Testament story of Joseph. What an incredible story. For those of you who know it, in Genesis 37 to 45, right? An incredibly talented man who did not allow his situation or his circumstances to ever affect his freedom. 
He was in a dysfunctional family. Anybody been there? So bad that his brothers raged with jealousy that they sold him into slavery and told their dad that he was dead. But in all of his up and downs for the next 22 years, as a servant, rises to power. Because of his integrity, finds himself in prison. In prison, because of his freedom and integrity, is now in power in the prison. And God grants some visions. And now, long story short, he now gives the interpretation of the vision to Pharaoh, which then saves basically that part of the world. Now he's the second most powerful man in the world. And who, by God's providence, in a short while, show up right in front of him. 22 years later, second most powerful man in the world, has every capacity to not only create revenge, but to be the judge. But what do we know from Scripture? Romans chapter 14. Vengeance is mine, says, says who? Boy, could we understand that a little bit better, church. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance will never, ever, 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 ever deliver. It will be a, a millisecond of, of sort of a, a good feeling. But after that, it will eat you alive for lunch and it will hold you bondage because you went and created vengeance. That's what it produces. It's demonic at its core. Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. I don't want to be the judge. Anybody want to be the judge? And here he stands, this young lad, as the brothers are before him, he plays with them a little bit. Who can blame him? God forgive him. But the man practiced freedom was not dictated by his circumstances or what people did to him. And what we know is that as a result of that, they came in as 70, they left as a nation. The promise of Abraham was now fulfilled. And from the line of Abraham came Jesus because of one man named Joseph who was free and was able to deliver forgiveness. And we sit here today because of that. Connect the dots. It's a pretty powerful thing. There is incredible freedom there. And if we don't, if we don't practice freedom in our forgiveness, all we do is march down the line of sin. Harmatia is the Greek word for sin. And what happens is it basically means I missed the mark. And as believers, we're trying to hit the mark over and over again. But because we're not free, because we continue to have bitterness and cynicism, we miss the mark over and over again. And then it wraps us up in such a way that 1 John 3, 4 declares, we move from harmatia to lawlessness. We just go down the slippery slope where we know what is right, but we don't care. Then that takes us to Romans chapter 1, where our heart becomes hard and we don't give a blank about anything. Nonetheless, God. And then from that moment on, we no longer have the capacity or the ability to love and to trust. That's where the lack of freedom takes us. And we need to understand today, are, are we willing to be taken from this to be able to know that I am understanding that Jesus tells us, he tells us to love our enemies and to pray for them. Think about that for a moment. Wow, that is truly kingdom. That is not American. That's not even earthly, is it? Left to myself, I am a dangerous individual. Anybody else? But because of the work and the power of God and the Holy Spirit, 
I have the ability to move around and be who I need to be. It's critical to note that if you and I don't find freedom in our forgiveness, we will continue to be the victim. And we will continue to walk down situation after situation and the enemy's tactic is very clear, to destroy you, take you out, and as many people with you as possible. Rise up, church. Say enough is enough. I know what I know to be truth. This is from scripture. Forgiveness is an incredibly powerful discipleship tool that not only brings healing in my life, it brings freedom in my life. And when those two things start to be activated in my life, it gives me my third and final point, and that is this. Then forgiveness is continuous. Somebody say peace. One more time, peace. peace. Now what we know is that it's not a one and done. You may be all okay with all your, all your accounts are up to date and you're forgiving everybody, everybody and everything. Guess what? You live long enough, you're gonna have another one come due. You following me? You're going to have another one come due. But this forgiveness will enable this to keep flowing. You with me? We'll keep it flowing. Uh, if you look at verse 21, that's the whole point of Peter. Peter's trying to be all legalistic about it. He already knows uh, the rabbinic teaching. The rabbinic teaching says three times and you're out. Three strikes and you're done. On the fourth, you don't have to forgive anymore. We can look at the book of Amos chapters one and two and that's what God did with the nations. After three different transactions that were before God as a sin, he said, enough. And they all knew this when he asked Jesus and he was being generous. He said, how many times? I just want to know, seven? Thinking he's going to be generous. And Jesus responds, 70 times seven or some translations, 77 times. What's Jesus saying? 79 times I don't have to forgive? No. He's saying, it's continuous. Peter knew exactly what he was saying. The New Testament teaching is throughout. In order to be forgiven, you and I must continue to extend forgiveness. It's all connected. It's like H2O. They go hand in hand. You can't buy it at Meyer or Walmart or Target. You have to have it from an experience with God. How long has it been since you remembered? That's what we did. That's why we take communion. When you think of back of the beauty of God washing you clean and forgiving you of everything. Isn't that powerful? Is it dangerous when we forget that? Sure is dangerous because what creeps in into most people who've been in the church long enough, it's what we call self-righteousness. And the comparison game, at least I'm not as bad as them. And we do that, and I, I, I'm not gonna compare myself with anybody else. You with me? I'm only gonna do the Isaiah 6. I wanna see the Lord high and lifted up. I wanna see his glory, and I want him to interact, me, my heart with him. Does this make sense to anybody today? And what we see here happening is Peter's learning. This is continuous. It's crazy. Now, here's what he's saying, did you understand? Forgiving is not condoning. It's not saying what they did was right. You gotta get that understood. Number two, forgiving is not forgetting. You'll always remember what was done to you. And number three, forgiving is not saying that you have to stay in a relationship that beats the crap out of you. 
I'm not saying that at all. In some situations, you have to put lots of boundaries in. But nonetheless, forgiveness from the depth of your heart, because here's what happens. If you do not forgive, typically speaking, the individual has already moved on with their life and there's no relationship between you and them and they're on doing their thing and they're not even thinking about it. And here you are with your unforgiveness and it's with you every day of your life. Aren't you tired of it? Forgiveness frees you up and says, I don't wanna, I don't wanna carry this anymore. I want healing and I want freedom in my life. So it doesn't mean what they did is wrong, uh, it was right. What it means is that I can be free and be healing and I can move on with my life. Does this make sense to anybody? May God help us to understand. Jesus knew that nothing, absolutely nothing, could stand against this thing called forgiveness. And the world understands it. It takes a lot more strength to forgive than it does to have an act of revenge. A lot more strength. A lot more character. Our nature to react and be vengeful with our mouth, with our attitudes, with the tone in which we communicate, all of that, that's easy. But I'm here to declare to you that our greatest witness to a world that's becoming more hostile to us is that we will be people of conviction, people of courage, people of the biblical truth, and people that will still stand because of their walk with Jesus, even when we are struck and even when we are abused, that we will try to support one another, but we will continue to extend forgiveness. And that's the way the early church changed the world, my friends, as they were being killed one by one. They continued to extend forgiveness and the Roman Empire took notice. Here we stand on the same moment, not as severe as that, but in 2022, are we going to not be that witness for him? Jesus prayed, John 17, that we would be one, you and I, just as he and the Father is one. I'm here to tell you the only way that's ever gonna be possible is when you and I begin to have this discipline called forgiveness that comes from the Father to us and through us. It's impossible any other way. I can assure you that even in this week, there will be Christians that will offend you. There will be things that happen that will frustrate you. That's called the brokenness in which we live in. But as I engage him, he gives me the supernatural ability to see people through his eyes, to respond to people through his strength, to love people with his love, and to forgive people supernaturally so that I can move on, even if they don't wanna deal with it. Now next week, we're gonna talk about the last piece of that is reconciliation. That's where two people agree to come together, just like I explained. But today's one has nothing to do whether they want to or not want, uh, want to get together. It's about whether or not you are willing to first forgive so that you can be free and be healed today. The key point is forgiveness does not have limitations. And the only ones, as I conclude this morning, that will understand what I'm saying about this, the only way you will understand what I'm saying, because it makes absolutely no sense in the human flesh, the only way you'll know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it yourself. And that's what, the, that's what the story is all about. If you had a truly experienced the forgiveness I granted you, you would extend it to the man in front of you. I wanna be that, anybody else? I wanna be that kind of person. I wanna have that kind of strength. I wanna be that filled with the Holy Spirit 
that I can be a person that doesn't compromise what I believe, but stands on truth and being able to know that he's the one that's directed me. We can change the world tomorrow if we do that. You with me? But it's easier said than done, isn't it? There are two groups of people here this morning. There are those that can hear my voice and those are online. You are in desperate need of forgiveness because you have been the abuser. You've been the one that feels like I will never amount to anything. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can be forgiven today from the Father. That's the truth. Whether you believe it, that's a whole nother discussion. And the second group is, so many of you, you've received this forgiveness from the Father. And as I said, horrible things have happened to you. And you've held on to it, some of you, for many, many, many years. And today is your day to say, I wanna be free. I wanna be forgiven. I want freedom today. I wanna move on with my life. Today is your day. Won't you bow your heads with me? Lord, we know that conflict is inevitable, but I pray that today you would enable us to be the people you want us to be. We really desire that you would do something fresh and new in our lives and that you would enable us to be the people you want us to be because we can't do it by ourselves. I'm asking right now that, Holy Spirit, you would be in this room because there will be a temptation from the enemy for people to get up, get out of here, and not even listen and give you a moment to speak to them. I pray that in this moment you would make this a holy moment, that people would be able to push out their agenda, their schedules, and just listen for a moment. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in this moment. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Look up this way. I'm going to close, but before I do, my heart's so heavy right now because there are those of you sitting here and some of you online. The enemy has already tricked you. And you've already determined that you're not going to do anything with what you just heard. And you're going to walk out with that continual heaviness in your heart. I won't and I can't. Don't listen to the lie. This is your opportunity. Don't let pride get in the way. I can't let people know that I've got issues. Be desperate enough for you to come near to him as he come near to you, amen? Just stand up with me right now. Would everyone stand? So in the balconies and the galleries on my left and on my right and on the main floor, as the worship team is gonna lead us, who now is willing to come forward and kneel and say, I want to experience freedom and healing today. I'm tired, enough is enough. And I just wanna kneel. Who, want, who can I pray with? Is there anybody? I know there's lots, but who has the courage to say, I, I, I don't care what anybody else says, come now. Who needs prayer right now on this issue that we can pray with you, that God can grant healing? Come now and kneel if you're able. This is your moment, come on. Don't let the enemy have any inroad in your life. Enough is enough. You've been hurt deeply. If you're able to kneel, kneel. May God do the miraculous in your life. Come on, no. 
pretty big decision. Some of you have been carrying this around for a long time. And you would love to stay with the familiar. And I'm saying don't stay with the familiar. They're still coming, church. It would be a good time for some of you to already start praying for those that are coming. That's what the church does, right? <laughs> start praying for those that God's doing the work in in their life. I'm gonna ask elders and pastors to come forward and to pray with these individuals. And I'm gonna ask those of you just take a few moments and would you pray about what's happening in your heart, but would you also start praying with these people that they would have a moment so nobody's left by themselves. Go ahead, let's engage. May God grant us freedom and healing. Go ahead, church, start praying in Jesus' name. Let's be the church. Start praying. are still coming. It takes a lot of courage to let go of something that's been with you for so long. But Jesus is saying, give it over to me. I want to bring healing and freedom to your life. Those of you who are praying with them, get, would you please ask them what they need to be prayed for so that they, we can know. Don't just pray behind them, but just ask them how they might be prayed for, okay? We're, we're just being in the church for a moment. Go ahead. church keep praying pray for the healing and the freedom for each individual come on let's pray the Holy Spirit is here this is what it means to let the Holy Spirit have a moment you can sit or you can stay standing whatever you feel comfortable with as we just take a few moments our cry, O oh Lord. Do the impossible here. Bring forth your spirit. And as they're praying, can we sing that song, Come to the Altar, quietly to, as a worship? Would you join in prayer and worship as they lead us?
what I'm going to do is give the benediction, but I'm going to ask these people to stay up here. They're going to keep playing. You can either stay and linger in the presence of the Holy Spirit, or you can fellowship out there. Let's just let the Lord be the Lord. Amen? So the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until we meet again. Amen.